growing up as a kid in the 80s, 90s, I never saw myself in a book or TV. So I grew up thinking something was wrong with me. You know, I'm not likable. I'm an outsider. And now that I'm a mom, my little boy, he's biracial. So I feel like it's actually, even though diverse books are so much better now than they were back then, I just feel like it's harder for him to find himself in a book because he's biracial. Mm. So it's really important to me to try to show that in my books. And I do a lot of research on different types of characters and cultures and hairstyles because I want to be respectful of that. But I just, I set out to draw characters that every single kid can see themselves in a book. Hey everybody, I'm Julie and welcome to Women with Cool Jobs. Each episode will feature women with unique, trailblazing and innovative careers. We'll talk about how she got here, what life is like now, and actionable steps that you can take to go on a similar path or one that's all your own. This podcast is about empowering you. It's about empowering you to dream big and to be inspired. You'll hear from incredible women in a wide variety of fields, and hopefully some that you've never heard of before. Women who build robots and roadways, firefighters, C-suite professionals surrounded by men, social media mavens, entrepreneurs, and more. I'm so glad we get to go on this journey together. Hi, Holly. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to interview you because you have like literally the most adorable, whimsical illustrations that you create for books, for children's books. And when I first saw them, I was basically already in love (laughs) with your work. It was so cute. So Holly Haddam, welcome to Women with Cool Jobs. Oh, thank you so much. That was so nice. It's so nice to be here. Well, I really admire what you do. I um, have, I have tried to be in the world of on the author side of writing a children's book. And I went to a few conferences and stuff and maybe, you know, one day um, that that will be something I do, but it is like, it is a, is a tough world to get into and to break into is what I recognize just trying to set my foot in a few years ago. And you have written now countless books, several that have hit the New York Times bestseller list for children's books, which is really, really awesome. Also not surprising because your work is so stinking cute. (laughs) So yeah, so I'm just like so happy to have you here today and to talk about what you do, how you got here, what your process is like. But really like when I was trying to kind of think about what you do, it's like you just create these sort of magical worlds that help words come to life for kids. And, you know, having my own two little kids, like it's so fun to see, even now my, my son, my oldest is in kindergarten. He's starting to read. It's so interesting to see how he looks at the pictures and like tries to sort of understand what's happening in the pictures. And then he'll go to the text and try to read the text. And so it it gives me appreciation for how books are written also in like a very different way, because we only started doing that as of this year. So it's just really cool to have you on and to hear about what you do in your process. So I want to start out with asking you, like, how do you define your job? Define my job that I make books and pictures for little humans, (laughs) or I just like to translate magic into pictures. Like, I'm very spiritual and I'm a very hippy dippy in the way that I love nature. So, a lot of that is seen in my art. So, it's just a way for me to translate and share what I'm feeling and my personality with my art. And I'm very open with my struggles with like anxiety and things like that in hopes that it will help someone else that's also struggling with that. So I just try to infuse a lot of magic and 
inspiration in my art for people. I love that. I think it really shows through. I mean, I like just looking at some of the pictures in in your various books that you've worked on over the years. It's very clear. And I can tell that nature aspect too, um, which is really interesting. I'm a huge fan of of nature and I know you have house plants. I have house plants. So so I totally like, I can see that in, in your work and I would love to go back to like little Holly. Um, because I'm curious, like, were you always drawing? Were you always sort of creating with art? Like, how how did you get from your younger self? And like, what was the path to get to where you are right now? I was drawing from very little, little, as little as I can remember was four. I was always drawing and I used to, I was obsessed with anything Disney. Mm-hmm. And I used to copy like I would take a drawing from Beauty and the Beast and try to translate it into my own style even as a little kid and I would tape those drawings all over my wall and charge my parents 25 cents to get into Holly's gallery I still have some of those drawings now so I've always been drawing it's something that I always did and I always read as a kid I always had a book in my hand a pencil in the other hand. So it's something that I always grew up doing. And it was always my dream to be either in the beginning, I didn't know that it was a real job for someone to draw pictures for a book. Like, I don't think I realized that some human being was doing that. Okay. But as I got older, as a 12 year old, it was my dream to work for Disney And I would watch Beauty and the Beast every single Saturday, drove my parents nutso. I would just (laughs) sit there and dream of one day working with Disney. So that path was always there. Like I never really deviated it, deviated from it much. Yeah, it's and that's so cute that you would charge to get into your gallery. I love that so much. But it's amazing sometimes the the passion for things that we have as young kids and those sometimes hold so true for us, even as adults. I just, that was such a wonderful story. I I could totally see you doing that too. It's like so cute. Um, And I did also watch many Disney movies over and over again. So I think you're probably not alone. (laughs) And so tell us like when you got older, what was your path? Like, were you still in to drawing and illustrating or did life take take you a different direction? Because you said you didn't quite know, you didn't realize that that was a career, that that was an option. In high school, I always took art. And for some reason in grade 10, when it was time to choose our courses for the next year, I I was going to drop art and take Spanish. And I don't know why to this day, because I hate languages and I am awful at them. Okay. But my art teacher found out that I was doing that and she would not allow it. She made me go to the counselor's office that day and change that Spanish to art. Wow. So I'm so thankful to that teacher because I would hope that I would still be doing art if it wasn't for that. But a part of me wonders what would have happened. And From high school, I went to study graphic design in college, not because I wanted to, but my teacher suggested that I was showing promise and strength in that area. And I I, honestly, I hated it. I hated graphic design so much. And I had tried out to get into an illustration program. I didn't get in. So like I... I was just feeling awful about myself. I thought I wasn't good enough to be an illustrator. So I thought the path for me was to just go and do be a graphic designer. And out of college, I got two graphic design jobs, hated them, had so much anxiety every morning going into work. It was just not the world for me. I got fired from both of those jobs and you would think that would be enough of a kick in the pants or a sign from the universe that this is not my path this is not what I'm supposed to do but at that time I was just so desperate for any kind of paycheck and so I started just freelancing 
graphic design and I was living paycheck to paycheck. It wasn't bringing in much money. And then one year I designed a wedding invitation for one of my friends and it got traction. Then I started getting other people asking me to design their invites. So I said, okay, well, maybe there's something in this. And I started my own company called Teardrop Designing Custom Invitations. Again, hated it, was only doing it for a paycheck. It just brought me so much anxiety and stress and no happiness. And then in 2013, I got pregnant with my son. And I decided that, okay, if I don't follow what I really want to do now when I'm pregnant, I am never going to do it when this baby comes. Mm. So I had the courage, shut down the company for good. And throughout that whole time, this was like a span of 10 years that I was living paycheck to paycheck and doing jobs that I hated, but I was still drawing for myself. So I had enough art to put up on a website and I just started reaching out to publishers and sending them to my website. And quickly after I got my first book job from that and it was a little book of poems for kids and then a year after my son was born I signed with my current agent and when that happened that is when my career just skyrocketed and that's where I am now that's amazing yeah and that's I appreciate you sharing your journey because it's so interesting that, you know, you were doing something for, for a while, actually, that really not only didn't light you up, but that sounded like it made you pretty miserable. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think when they see my art on Instagram and they just see how many books I've done, they assume that I've always been doing well or something that happened quickly for me, but it wasn't. It happened quickly once I decided to do what I want to do. And I got the courage to finally do it. Um, But it was a very long, it was 10 or 11 years of struggling and living paycheck to paycheck and not knowing how I'm going to pay for rent one, like some months. So it was a, it was a hard journey, but I wouldn't trade it just because it made me who I am today. And it makes me appreciate so much more what I have today. Yeah. So it's all about the journey. Honestly, it's just like have fun along the way. Try to anyway. <laughs> yeah, that, it makes so much sense. And you know what? I, I think that the fact that you do have that perspective now of of going from something that you felt like you really weren't meant to do and then being in in a place now where like you clearly are meant to be doing this and that it does light you up and and you have that creative sort of outlet and ability. And I, I just think that's so amazing. And so congratulations to you also for like allowing yourself to sort of like step into a place of being courageous and scared and like brave and all these things all at once. Cause I think that is, I mean, that's a hard step to take is to like, take that leap and see what happens. Well, I also want to say I also had courage because my husband now, my boyfriend at the time, he, throughout this whole time that I was freelancing and starting my own businesses, he had the the stable, normal nine to five job. So I always had him to depend on. And I know a lot of people are not in that situation, right? So I just want to make that clear that I also had the courage because I knew that he was there to pay for the rent and the food. And I was like, he allowed me to do this. And I appreciate him so much. I thank him all the time. Cause I don't know where I would have been if he wasn't there. Cause I would probably had to stick it out longer to try to make things work. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's those types of people, those support people in our lives are such a gift. Like I know my husband's that for me, you Aww. know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without the support of him, especially and my family. But no, yeah. So it's it's that that is such an important point. And I want to ask now, you know, and shift a little bit into what you're doing currently. Like, what is that like? What is the process like? Because I 
from my very tiny amount of knowledge (laughs) of the publishing world and the children's publishing world, like it is quite a lengthy process to create a book before anyone sees it out in the world. So I would love to get your insight into like, what is, what is it to have a day in the life or like a week in the life of you? What's that? (laughs) What's that like? Like, what are the kinds of things you do? Um, what tools do you use? That kind of stuff. Well, my day is mostly illustrating books. I do also do drawings and character design for animation and trying to work on my own concepts for shows. But books can take, I've had a book take almost two years to get out into a, well, two years that I've worked on before it was sent to a printer, which usually takes another year. So by the time it comes out, you sometimes just completely forget that you even had this book out. (laughs) Um, But my day is, so how it works is a publisher will reach out to my agent with a manuscript from, from an author and my agent will send it to me to read over and decide whether I would like to take it or not. And I'm lucky enough that I'm in the position now that I can be picky about what I want to work on. So I'll only take manuscripts that really resonate with me or has a great message. So if I read the manuscript and I don't feel anything, an emotion, a strong emotion, or I can't picture it in my head right away, I'll say no. And then once I accept it, I usually start with character sketches And once the character sketches are approved, we move on to the sketch phase, which can take months. It's pretty tedious. Like we'll go back and forth, back and forth with the editor and creative director with revisions and whatnot. And then after the sketches are approved, we move on to the finals, which can also take another few months or longer. Wow. And then once all the interior drawings are done we move on to the cover and the back cover so usually the process is at least a year okay and how for I know you said character development at the beginning like what does that mean but what is character development well the character is it's the most important thing in the book Um, so when I read the manuscript I'll jot down notes about how I envision the character in my head. And sometimes the author will also have notes as well. So I do a lot of research and I put together a lot of mood boards about, I research different outfits that I feel like will go with that personality. And I'll draw a bunch of different versions of that one character and send it into the editor. And then they choose what they think is the right character from there. That's so interesting. And so I think, as I understand it, it's like, once you get the words, the author is not so much involved in, in that side of the process of the illustrations. It's more working with like the publishing team to create. Right. Right. Okay. It's not often that I work closely with the author there with one, my one book hair twins. I, we did because it was a cultural book about being Sikh and their, um, their traditions on hair. So it was really important for me to understand. And she would send along photos and research along that way for me. But usually the author, yeah, no. And I've I've hardly I think I've met one author in real life. Wow. I do talk like a lot of them we were like friends on social and we do okay. communicate and like some of them have become my close friends in that way. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that's so interesting. And so as you're going through the process, like, how do you figure out, because this is what I was wondering when I was looking at some of your books, is like, how do you figure out what words are going to go on each page and the layout? Like, is that something predetermined or do you get to sort of envision how you think it should be laid out according to like what pictures you want to create? What's that part of the process like? Well, usually the layout is predetermined by the designer, but they do say that if I don't agree with how it's broken up, I can alter it or we'll talk about it. But usually it's the designer's job. She lays out all the text as well. Um, So I don't have any part of it in that way. 
what are the tools that you use to create your, your work? Because the, I think the really special and unique thing about your work that I've noticed is that besides having a huge amount of diversity, like almost more diversity, I think than I've ever seen in, in books with characters, which is really incredible. And, and it like can be a whole topic, but, um, (laughs) but we're not, we don't have time for that. So, so in addition to that though, it looks like you use so many different textures and colors and techniques that you've incorporated, you know, into your, into your illustration. So I'm curious, how do you create those? Like, is it mixed media art where you're using different tech elements with like photography? I'd love to hear about that process. So it's all digital. I use Photoshop and Illustrator to do all my work. And it is a lot of photography. I have like a library full of photos and some of them Well, a lot of them are public domain photos that I find. I have favorite websites that I use, or if I can't find that specific texture or photo I need, I will go out and take it myself. So that's how I I bring in a lot of texture through that way, through photography. And then also all the brushes that I use add the specific textures. And I love hand drawing, like little details, like I love drawing the pattern of yarn and wood by hand. So it's a mix of like vectors and hand drawings, watercolor, brushes, and photography. Wow. Yeah, I loved like there is there is one book and I I because I was looking at a few of your books and so I can't quite remember, but there was one I remember there were like these sparkly stars in the illustration and it looked like literally like glitter. glitter. Yes. And I was like, glitter, I'm yes. Glitter. <laughs> My favorite color is glitter. There, well, <laughs> there you go. My mom would probably love that. <laughs> she really loves glitter. Yeah, that's hysterical. But I saw it and I was like, yes, I love this so much. It's glittery. I could, yeah, because I love sparkle too. Can't go wrong. I um, use it in every book. I have to. I add glitter wherever I can. That's so <laughs> cute. You know what? And I didn't notice in every book. So I'll have to go back now and look. <laughs> <laughs> try to find it. That's such an amazing process that you use all these tools. And is this something that you learned to do on your own, like over the years, because you were just playing with things or did you take formal uh, courses somewhere to learn those? Well, this is when like, I really appreciate, or I'm very grateful that I went the graphic design route because I learned the programs so I learned in college how to use the okay. programs. And then it's take it took me years to develop the style I have, like 10 years. So the when I was designing the wedding invitations, I feel like that's when the characters, the way I draw my characters developed. Okay. And then from there I started, and it was all very flat vector. And then I started experimenting. I'm like, well, maybe it'd be cool to add some watercolor in there. So I'd add watercolor and then that developed into a style and that got me noticed by publishers, by creative directors. And then throughout the years, I just, I try to push myself past my boundaries and slowly over time, like I just add more shadows and more highlights and more texture and more everything (laughs) that it's now developed into my current style. But I'm always playing around. I'm always trying to find a new technique that I can do to make it more interesting. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, like I was trying to figure out how could I describe this, but it just looks so happy when I look at your pictures. Yeah, like, I don't know. They look so happy and they're, it's like colorful and whimsical and diverse. And it's interesting too, when you talk about the character and, and developing those characters, because I guess I, I never thought about that aspect of, of, you know, creation of like what actually goes into, you know, creating a kid's book, because I think I'd always just even coming from what I had wanted to do, you know, like I always focused on the words. I hadn't ever thought as much about that illustrative part and what that's like to sort of imagine something from nothing. What is that like for you? Because you're sort of 
you're, you're in a way you're like creating this world, right? Like this special world that kids and adults get to enter into that has never been created before. So what is that like for you? A lot. I feel like a lot of artists are daunted by a blank page, but I, I love it because it's just like a page of possibility. Like I love when I finish a book that I've been working on forever. And I've been with that character for so long. I start to get so bored that the blank page is like, Oh, it's just like (laughs) angels singing. I get to do something new. So I don't get daunted. And, but also the author makes my job easier. And that's why I only choose books that resonate with me because if I'm inspired right away by the words, the pictures come easily for me. And when you're creating, like, do you feel like you have, I don't know how to quite word it right, but like an intuitive sense of how the page should feel or like how the character should be portrayed? Because I mean, even you talk about, you know, like you're so detailed in the desk, like creating the wood grain or like having the sparkles or just different elements that you choose to incorporate in nature. Like, do you sort of come from a place where you're you're led by intuition or how do you go about that part? I'm a very highly sensitive person. So my emotions lead a lot of my drawings. So when I read the words, whatever I'm feeling in the moment, I jot it down and I try to bring that emotion to life on the page. So whatever I'm feeling, I want the reader to feel. Okay. And that like, and my color palette leads a lot of that. And that's why characters are so important to me. It's my favorite thing to do because you can show a lot of the feeling of the book and personality through the character. So I love to add little Easter eggs, especially for the parents, because they're going to be reading this book a million times. <laughs> right. <laughs> so make it interesting for them. So I try to leave little nuggets everywhere for the, for the reader to find. I love that. Yes. And you're right. Oh my gosh. Like some books I'm like, why, why have I read this? Like, a hundred times. <laughs> you need to start hiding them. Honestly, I used to hide them. Did you? I, yeah, you know what? I've only, I think I've thought about that with a few and I haven't, <laughs> I haven't gotten to it, but yeah, even this, the ones that I like love at the beginning, but by, by the time you read it a hundred times, like I need, a, I really need a break. Like let's find a new book. Usually what I do is I, I'm like, it's time to bring out some new books and I take away a group of yeah, old books. And, yeah. <laughs> so I guess maybe that's a way of hiding them. <laughs> yeah. And I, I wanted to ask specifically, like, I thought there was, because you've done so many really, really cute books. I got a chance to go to the bookstore and actually like find a few to flip through in person. And then I was showing my kids last night as I was doing research before the interview, I found some, you know, that they were reading out loud on, on YouTube. And so they, like, my kids were like, Oh, like they really loved your illustrations and and everything. So it was really fun to see. I was like, yeah, I'm interviewing her tomorrow. She's the one who drew these. Yeah. So they're like, Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. And I wanted to ask you specifically, like, because, and kind of talk about the diversity that you bring, especially to your, to your characters and to the books that you do illustrate. And also I thought it was really, really intriguing. And so I, I wanted to hear it. I'm pretty sure this was intentional, but especially in dear girl, dear boy, which I like, there's such cute messages between like your illustrations and the author who, who created the words, like, just like the messages are really, really sort of timeless. So I wanted to ask because those characters in particular, like they don't have, I noticed that they're white, um, Mm -hmm. like completely white. In other words, they have no pigmentation to their skin color. And I thought that was so fascinating. And then a lot of the other characters you bring in are like so diverse, you know, like you see 
different hairstyles, different skin colors. I mean, like glasses and no glasses and like all these different, pretty much I feel like every sort of diverse characteristic like you have tried to include in your work. So how did you develop those characters in particular? And was that something that you had in mind on purpose for for that book or, you know, like what was, what was sort of behind that? I'd love to hear. I try to have diversity in every book that I can. And if I'm allowed, I will always make the main character a kid of color, just because I'm a person of color. So growing up as a kid in the eighties, nineties, I never saw myself in a book or TV. So I grew up thinking, something was wrong with me, you know, I'm not likable, I'm an outsider. And now that I'm a mom, my little boy, he's biracial. So I feel like it's actually, even though diverse books are so much better now than they were back then, I just feel like it's harder for him to find himself in a book because he's biracial. Mm. So it's really important to me to try to show that in my books. And I do a lot of research on different types of characters and cultures and hairstyles because I want to be respectful of that. But I just, I set out to draw characters that every single kid can see themselves in a book. It's just, it's the most important thing to me to bring to a book. Yeah, and that's a really incredible vision to have before you even get started. And it's, it's interesting because some of these things, like I, cause I'm white, you know, like I, I never really thought about or considered. And even though I had friends, like some of which who are diverse and they've married even into more diverse families. And some of them are biracial, have biracial kids. It's really fascinating coming from my background that it's just, it wasn't something that was obvious or, or apparent to me, but Mm -hmm. then now obviously given the times and given, luckily people are speaking about it more and then seeing books like yours, it, it then really like is evident how little (laughs) existed in the past and how awesome it is now that there are people like you who are purposely and intentionally thinking of this during the creation process, because I think it is so important for every kid to feel like I matter, I'm represented Mm -hmm. in the world. And, and that's even why, like on, in a broader sense, why I'm doing this podcast is because I want women to see other women doing these incredible things and saying, Oh, she's, she's just like me. Like she didn't, you know, she, she didn't go to like Harvard or Stanford or, I mean, some of them have, but like, you know, in, in general, like that she could be my next door neighbor. Like she could be my aunt. She could be my mom. She could be me. And so I think that idea of like giving kids also that sense of self-worth and ownership over like, I am who I am. I'm perfectly made you know, like how, however I look, however my hair, it's just like really beautiful. And it's, and it's clear in your work too, that you strive to do that. And it was one thing that I I really noticed. Cause I, I had, you know, like five books that I was looking at in person in the bookstore. And then the two, you know, that I looked at that I shared with my kiddos <laughs> and yeah. And it's just, it's, it's really incredible that purpose. And, and I think also it sounds like it stems from your own childhood too, which is like a really, while I'm sure I can't imagine how that was to, to grow up and and have those feelings because I I didn't live that, but to like be able to flip it in such a powerful way so that your son and like other people can see themselves. It's really, really nice. It's nice having a voice. Like it's nice that my art can make a little change. It's just nice to have, to know. And I'm so glad you're you're saying you're seeing that in the books because then I've done my job. All I said I do, I just want that invisible, just thinking of that little girl or boy that feels so invisible and so unlovable that it just, it hurts my heart. And I want to, that's why I draw like the freckles and the red hair and the glasses because 
those are not things to be ashamed of. You should love that about yourself. And I want them to look at that character and just, oh my God, that's like me. And just get happy that they're in a book. Yeah. It's, it's incredible too, because I think also, you know, if you think about communities that maybe don't have that diversity to be able to see that there is diversity through a book, that's how kids learn as well. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's, yeah, it's just something that I really wanted to make sure to point out. And so for anyone who hasn't seen your work, they can go um, look you up and, and there's so many cute, cute books. Like I saw, yeah, I saw Dear Girl, Dear Boy, Dear Teacher in person. I saw Cranky right now. Oh no, I saw Happy <laughs> right now. And then I can't remember. Oh, Sam's first word, which was hysterical. <laughs> Being a mom and Sam's first word was poop. This is so cute. But um, it's just like, yeah. It, so for people who haven't seen your work, they can they can check it out. And I know you've got something coming out. So I thought I would love to have you talk about like what that is, what that process was like, what is coming out soon. Oh, I'm so excited. It's called Princess Charming. And the author was Zibby Owens. Anyone that doesn't know her, she has an amazing podcast. So she's in the publishing world. She has her own media company. So this is book one of two. There's another one coming. Oh wow. And it's about a really spunky, feisty little princess. She's not your typical princess. She, yeah, oh, it's just you have to and for any little girl that loves princess anything. This is like a good princess book. It's just, it shows you that princesses can wear all the sparkles and glitter and be girly and feminine, but also strong and intelligent and works hard and doesn't give up. So yeah, this book, and it's funny. Like there's a little cat in it that is, or sorry, a dog that is hilarious and it adds humor to the book. That, yeah, I, you know, and that's how I found you because I follow Zibby and cause I just think she's so cool. Like she has a podcast and then it sort of like became its own thing. And then she had like 5,000 podcasts. Yeah. I was like, I how, does she, how does she do all this? And then, yeah, she started her own publishing company. It was just like, so cool. Yeah. So she's, she's like a force. Like I just admire her so much. And so that's how I found you. Because I I saw that you were illustrating um her her books and I was like oh they're so cute so oh. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to contact you but so I can't wait and when did those come out like what are what's the timeline the the first one comes out April nineteenth of this year the second book we don't know yet I haven't started oh, okay yeah that's awesome well for anyone we can definitely you know, look for those. Cause I'm sure it sounds adorable. And of course with, with her words and, um, and then with your illustrations, I can only fun. imagine. It was a really fun book to do. That's so incredible. And with that project, like when you're working on each new project, are you only doing one at a time or do you have overlap sometimes between the different projects you're working on? I always have at one time, I'm working at least on three to five books at the same time. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. And so is that hard to sort of, I guess, like keep in, keep in tune almost with like each book and the characters and sort of those emotions that you're feeling? Because I imagine like, I mean, switching between each, is that sort of like a lot for your brain to handle sometimes? <laughs> yeah, it has good things and bad things. Like the, the good thing is that when I get bored or really tired, or maybe I'm stuck on one book, it's nice that I have the opportunity to switch to another one. But then also, when deadlines are tight and maybe two books have very similar deadline dates mm -hmm. and I constantly have to go back and forth when I'm really in the zone or in, I'm in a flow with one book and then having to change to another one, it completely messes with my brain and my flow. And then it takes me a little time to get back into the other book that I was doing. So it has positives and negatives. Yeah, I could see that because 
I, I know like even when I'm doing sometimes the stuff for the podcast, like if I have to go even between a few different like episodes, like if I'm working on sort of getting one up and then I'm trying to research someone and, you know, or like contact people, it's like, my brain is like, Whoa, <laughs> too many focus areas here. No, <laughs> Slow completely. down. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it sounds like it's pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. And then for you, like, what do you think is the, maybe the biggest surprise or myth or misconception about being an illustrator? And illustrate. I know that there's the misconception where people think that it is easy writing a kid's book because it doesn't have very many words. So when someone finds out what I do, they're like, oh, well, you know, I have this idea for this book and I was going to get it published. Or do you have an agent or a publisher? And I never know what to say kindly (laughs) because it's just, it's so much work. And I don't think people realize how much work it is to especially write a kid's book. You have to try to fit a whole story like with an arc and a problem and make it interesting in less than a thousand words. And it's so hard. Like I have been working on one manuscript for three years and it's still not perfect. Wow. Like it keeps getting rejected because it's not perfect. So I think that's the biggest misconception. Yeah. And I, even in my experience, because I, I was part of the, I always get the letters wrong, but the SCWBI Society for Children's writers, children's books and writer, illustrate writers and illustrators. Thank you. I always mess up the (laughs) the acronym. It's like too many letters for my brain um, to handle, but yeah. So it's basically like a book of, of, or it's a group of really, really incredible supportive people who can teach you all sorts of things about being in the children's illustrating Mm -hmm. and and author world. And um, so I'd gone to a few conferences And yeah, I just remember when I first went, especially the first year, I was just like, my brain was exploding because I was like, there's so much to know. There's so many details. And yeah, it is quite a process for the authors, but even for the, for the illustrator side too, it seems like it isn't, it isn't as simple now that we've gone through it, but it isn't as simple as like, oh, I'm just going to whip up these pictures and, you know, they'll go where they go. And (laughs) (laughs) There's like, there have been some instances where I've had to pivot entirely from sketches and start all over again. Like the direction of the book can change and we will go through millions and millions of rounds of revision sometimes. And you have to develop a thick skin, (laughs) not take it personally that, you know, these people they're seasoned in the industry and they know what they're doing and they they just want the book to be the best that it can be. So it's, yeah, for the illustrator, it can be, you want to pull out your hair with how much <laughs> stress, like you can spend hours and days on one spread of a book and you love it and admire it. And it's like your child. And then you send, you email it out and you're just sitting there so much anxiety, hoping that everyone loves it and praying that it gets approved. And then when they come back with a ton of revisions, it's like, oh, it's like a knife to the heart. And it doesn't get any easier. I'm like, I've been doing this for, oh my gosh, seven, eight years. And it's still painful every time, but you, Mm -hmm. you learn not to take it personally. Like it's not you as an illustrator. It's just what has to be done for the book. Yeah. Well, especially if it's sort of like your baby, like you've created it and it's so much love and attention and detail. I could totally see that. Yeah. And for you, like, what is your favorite part about being an an illustrator and like creating these characters and creating these worlds for people? It's like being able to create a book that would maybe become a comfort or inspiration for another little kid because I know that books were such comforts for me growing up so that's what like just imagining a kid at home with my book 
brings such a smile to my face and seeing my books in the stores or the library, it doesn't get old. Eight years later, I still scream out loud every time I see my book, like it's the first book ever. So it's just knowing that it's in the hands of little humans. Oh, it's just, I can't even describe the feeling. It's cool. It's cool that something I did could be seen by thousands of people, thousands of kids. And read a hundred times in a row. (laughs) And just inspire, like just inspire, even adults. That's what my Instagram is for, is to inspire and put a smile on adults' faces. Yeah, it's, I love seeing what you create. Like, I know you post to LinkedIn, you post to Instagram. Like, I love seeing what you create. It's so cool. And speaking of like, sort of inspiring, like inspiring future generations, if people are interested, if a young girl or a woman is, is interested in doing this, like, how would you suggest that they maybe get started? Or are there associations they could be part of or groups they could be part of like where where would you tell someone okay like start here go down this path it's honestly the scbwi that we were talking about did i say it correctly i I always i'm gonna post i'll post the link the correct acronym with the correct website in in the show notes so people can find it yeah i'm not sure that's the best you don't need anything besides that that's how I started as well. And I went to one conference or two, I went to a Canada one and the New York one. And it's just a wealth of knowledge and not just even that, but you get to meet other people that are wanting to go down this path and you'll meet people that are seasoned and meet people that are just starting out and you'll make friends. Like I've made friends from those conferences that I still talk to. So you'll build your little community. And I feel like the children's book world is such a kind world. Like we're all so nice to each other. There's really no competition or, you know, who's better than who or jealousy for the, like, we're just so happy to support one another. So it's just such a lovely place industry to be. So go to that organization. It's all you need to start out. Yeah. And as far as skills or suggestions, because I know, there is a process to submitting your work and sort of before you get representation. Do you have any advice on that side of things? Like before you sort of kind of get into a good place where hopefully you have someone who, who's saying like, yes, let's include her work on like every awesome book. How could someone go about that process? Cause I know it, that can seem very probably daunting and overwhelming and perhaps longer than someone might might want? Um, Well, I would say you need to make sure your portfolio is up to par. Like, don't include things that you hate to draw, or maybe you are lacking skill or like, improve on those skills. So you really need to be good at drawing kids, obviously, for the picture books. And the more you include like kids, animals, settings, backgrounds, so the publisher, the editor can see that you can do all of those things that usually you need to create a picture book. Don't compare your work to anyone else. I used to do this and it's the worst thing to do. I'm like, obviously take inspiration from artists you love and be inspired by them, but don't try to copy other artists. Just do, I say, if you draw what you love, your style will develop and do not be hard on yourself. My style took 10 years to get to where it is now. And as for agents trying to find an agent, you need to research the agents that you want to sign with and make sure that they represent artists similar, well, not similar to you, but you know, make sure they, they actually represent for children's books and make sure that you think your art would fit in before you even email that agency. Yeah. So just making to, making sure to do basically due diligence on who you're reaching out to. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you just, you need to make sure you have enough art in your portfolio. Like just don't submit, you know, don't like just five pieces of art isn't going to cut it. You need it enough to, for the agent or the publisher to see your style. 
Okay. Yeah. That's great advice. So maybe just showing like a, a breadth and a depth of work that someone yes. can do. Okay. That's great advice. Thank you for sharing that insight. Mm-hmm. And as we wrap up, I want to ask you one of my favorite questions, which I ask to everybody. And it is this. So to end our conversation, will you share a sentence that uses verbiage or jargon from your field and then translate it so it's understandable to us? So a verbiage that we use is called an F and G, which stands for folded and gathered. And it's um, a printing of the book before it's binded. So it's just on loose paper, but folded to look like it is a book. And usually those go out to reviewers or people that have asked for advanced copies. And is that color? Like it would be full color and everything as well? Okay. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I've never heard of that. So thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. This was so much fun, Holly. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing what you do and how you do it. And um, for anyone who wants to find you online, where can we look for you? I'm most most active on Instagram. My username is Holly Haddam Illustration without the S. Okay. And then also you have a website, so you can tell us that too. (laughs) Hollyhaddam.com. That website's kind of old and it's in the process of being updated. But if you want new work, I'm always posting once a day on Instagram. Okay. So that's a place to be. And I'll include... I'll include those links as well for people to find, but yes, it was such a pleasure. Of course, your books, you can find um, all the places that booksellers sell them, but also just like in your local bookstore, they're so cute and you just do such a beautiful job. So thank you for being here today and sharing what you do in the world with us. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Women With Cool Jobs. I'll be releasing a new episode every two weeks, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you loved the show, please give me a five-star rating. Also, it would mean so much if you shared this episode with someone you think would love it or would find it inspirational. And lastly, do you have ideas for future shows or do you know any rock star women with cool jobs? I would love to hear from you. You can email me at julie at womenwithcooljobs.com or you can find me on Instagram at womencooljobs. Again, that's womencooljobs. Thank you so much for listening and have an incredible day.